This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to McDelivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a shot! Oh, a goal! My goal! post for Shearer, goal! McLaughlin has it. Oh, deflection! And a goal! Comes to Mitchell! It's another goal! Incredible! Hobble! First of all, I'm so, so sorry for making you do this. It's got to be everyone's turn. I feel like this is like the jury service of doing pod that everyone has a go at uh, laying it in a bit. But yeah, lovely way to spend an Easter Monday with you. Oh, thank you very much. I, I assume there's not going to be a soapbox session from you this in this pod, is there? I don't know. It might be. Depends on how we uh, we comb it through. Isn't that what people are listening for? They're not listening for a, a blow-by-blow account of Swindon versus Tranmere, are they? Because uh, that might make a tricky listening. Good Lord, that was bleak, wasn't it, today? <laughs> yes, it's been very bleak. And like we were saying off mic, it's, it's been quite the it's been quite the bleak weekend. Um, I'm struggling in this initial moment to think of what positives that we can really take from that Mm, yeah I think the positive is we didn't get absolutely smashed but there was no chance of that because Tramia Rovers were quite dreadful too first of all apologies if you can hear children in the background we're doing an early recording so it's a warts and all and that includes the joyous (laughs) they don't care about Swindon's form at the moment no it's you've got to take small mercies when you where you can get them I mean, two of the small mercies I've taken from this afternoon was someone replying to 
um, Ian Jiff in response to his various uh, screen grabs that they were watching along in the queue for some rides at uh, Universal Studios, which is quite a funny thing to think of. I guess you've got to pass the time um, somehow. Uh, that and a George Costanza meme as well. Uh, so that's about take the blessings where you can get them. Streaming something in the United States sounds very expensive, so well done then. Well, I suppose Twitter is Twitter, isn't it? And I guess you're going from US to US. I don't know. iFollow is probably cheap in the States, isn't it? You'd hope so. No idea. It was £10 in the UK, and that felt steep enough having gone through those 94 minutes. Not a great advert. I don't imagine that many uh, Papa John's deliveries or many late FIFA 23 purchases are going to be made today on the back of seeing that. Mm, Indeed. Well, let's talk about this game then somehow, because there are only a few things that happened. There were a few more changes from the Mansfield loss. One that leaked across social media in the hours long before the 2pm announcement. So we saw Brennan Goal, of course, uh, back four of Lavinia, Tomlinson, Bruitt and Blake Tracy. Lavinia coming in for Hutton, of course. And then Khan, McEachran and Johnny Williams coming in uh, for this one. And then Shade, Wakeling and Hepburn Murphy up front. So Darcy making way for Johnny Williams and Tyree Shade coming in for Charlie Austin. So lots of noise about this Charlie Austin situation. I think the post-match was explained that Charlie Austin was going to be rested. Uh, They had an honest chat, and that honest chat included the fact that Charlie wasn't going to be played regardless, so Jody Morris wasn't going to field him at Prenton Park. So there's no point in travelling. This is your captain, Joe. This is your main goal scorer, your marquee signing, the one they made all the fuss about against a team that's very, very beatable. I get two games over a short period of time is something that you've got to manage, but what is there to manage about this season? And I think he said something about wanting mobile forwards, which explains maybe why... Why Jeff Cott was on the bench and not Adeloy. Poor old Adeloy. Austin drops completely and he doesn't even make it on the bench either. It's very easy to roll your eyes at this, but as I just said there, you're playing a team in as bad a form as you're in. You've got a player capable of scoring four goals in one game away from home a player who has the armband, a player that has captured the imaginations of a fan base at a time when it was needed, and then you rest them outright with no intention of having them on the bench, or indeed if they were on the bench, they weren't going to be brought on. That doesn't sound right to me, does it? No, it really doesn't sit right. And it's one of these things where I guess you're hearing this this news break and obviously you know, people are going to do it jump to conclusions and you attempted to kind of steady yourself and say that you shouldn't jump to conclusions and maybe there is a logical reason and feeling for it. I mean, heaven forfend that Swindon Town bomb out a captain or a vice captain this season. That doesn't seem like the sort of thing that they would do for it. Heaven forfend that Swindon would um, allow knee-jerk decisions to dictate their footballing policy full stop. Um I had thought, reading between the lines or not that long ago, that it seemed like through some of the post-matches that 
Jodie Morris found a kindred spirit in Charlie Austin. And so to say that somebody's, and I believe this is quite verbatim from um, either the lower league look, was it Ryan Whelan breaking this one saying that uh, it's not to bother traveling. And then at the post-match to have the dig about wanting more mobile strikers. I mean, like you say, there's, there's, Teams coming up who are actually vying for promotion who are going to give Swindon a rum old time. And this was the deadest of dead rubbers between two teams who'd both hit what the BBC were calling woeful form together. So you'd think if there was any game that you're going to keep Austin in and try and get something out of it, that this would be it. And maybe you might rethink things or have a quicker forward line or whatever for the next game to go up against your promotion contenders, but it, it doesn't bode well. It's a big personality uh, behind the scenes. We've been saying about how in the absence of all that experience that Charlie Austin has had to be, um, you know, the person marshalling the troops who have been speaking up for uh, the younger players when they've been slagged off uh, by the fans. And yeah, just, you can't help but feel quite, uneasy about the situation and I've got a feeling like this is going to play out in the next week somehow. If, if this was the John Sheridan era, we would be saying terms like sabotage. It does feel a little bit like that, weirdly. Yeah, it's, it's a strange... Obviously, that I mean, I've been thinking a lot about this in kind of general terms and the word that I keep coming back to is value uh, and trying to put that in a sense of if we lean back on the old memes of last year and the dreaded got your club back mantra, I don't necessarily think in the terms of Mr. Morfuni saving the club. I think back to, um, you know, being a dispute between selling the club and the people who kept the lights on and that we had eight players who played for nothing while this transition period was over. And when you look back at them, when you look back at the team that we assembled under Garner, you know, how few of them were offered new contracts after the fact, or how few were bothered to retain. We made a big noise about keeping someone like Matthew Baudry, and I know that Jack Payne was probably somebody that was quite a haggle in terms of uh, wages. It seemed like there was an effort to try and keep him there. These sorts of things bring things back into sharp focus, you know, we go back across the whole year. We think, well, Ben Chorley just randomly decided that this wasn't for him. Ben Garner randomly got... Seemingly, the story is that Charlton made an offer before the playoffs had finished, that Rob Hunt had an offer, that Jack Payne had an offer, that McCurdy couldn't be kept, that Louis Reed just wasn't right on form. And then we get back after Christmas where Johnny Williams isn't the same player after the World Cup and... Charlie Austin's coming in, but it's over the technical director's head, it's over the manager's head, and it's the chairman who's managed to pull all this kind of thing through. Then you have a transfer window where Gladwin and McDonald are ghosted out before you can get a replacement manager and replaced by an academy kid, a panic loan that Morris has managed to get in on the last day, and a flub transfer. Like so many things, these are all strange things that just seem to keep happening to us, it makes you look back and evaluate over the whole thing. And now, kind of having that feeling about the current crop, not just players who 
<laughs> not just players who um you know they have a uh you know they people are making their lists already about who you keep who you would move on and say like they'd let loan players go you know they're by the by but we're treating players who are contracted for another season now uh out on the fringes and bombing them out and it just makes you uh makes you reconsider everything there's my soapbox how about that i loved it I loved it. I didn't expect it. And then it arrived before 10 minutes. Wonderful. There you go. Do you feel good? Do you feel better? I do feel good. This is what the, the end of this season is going to be, is that gradually each contributor is going to come on here and have their and have their piece. And it just it, it speaks to feeling that what's going on behind the scenes to actually make these conversations happen. Because the last time we heard about contracting players, um, I think it was Wakeling, which was back in October, November. McEachern's made a splash, and then whenever we're saying you want to get this guy down for another year or so, and or beyond the close of the season, no movement on that, and then he seems to miraculously go uh, the way that everyone else has. No, Clayton's not involved now. People are wondering what kind of player that he is. Well, again, this is where I'd say that. Uh, you know, his high points of when we can talk back to when, you know, he looked like a future captain was probably when he was partnering alongside the actual captain, when he had an experienced head of Angus McDonald next to him. And it's not so much about these people as players. It's not about McDonald or Gladwin or Austin being at the top of their game and being able to give their absolute best. It's about what they can actually give in terms of you know, experience in a level head, and we don't have level heads. I'm, I'm glad we're able to talk about something because not much happened in this game. Before the goal, both Andrew Hawes and Rob Hartley on Town Comms said something along the lines of, if there's going to be a goal, then it will be via an error from the other team. And, well, they were right, weren't they? Certainly were right. I mean, again, this is such a familiar feeling. This is coming from... Uh, you know, from their goal line clearance here, where we've actually had a chance and they're playing out from the back. We're getting caught completely on the back foot. I think the prominent bit on this that's going to is as, they, as they've launched the ball forward, it's falling to Brewitt, who who dithers uh, far too much on it. Um, and then it's like lost out to Lavinier and then it's crossed across and hit home. And... Oof. Grim to watch, but then it's that also that 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 inevitability. And Brewitt is someone who's divided opinion because, I mean, is it fair to say he's coming and his best? He's looked competent, but this goes back to uh, when we had the rumor about Mariapa coming in, and then that deal apparently falling through, and then he turns up at Salford. This is the kind of thing of where if we're looking at a player like McDonald and if we're saying that you know he had to go or it wasn't going to work out or he was too expensive or whatever the reasons behind the scenes might have been, then you want to replace him with a similar experience. And Tom Brewitt, who's been over in America in the second division and been dropped by Fylde, if he's coming in, he's only really going to seem vaguely competent, a utility, not a leader not someone who can marshal a defence, and today he's been caught out. Yeah, it's a tough one, the way it falls to him and his header 
isn't isn't very good, and he's under pressure from Harvey Saunders, and then the attempt to fix the situation with the header just falls to Kane Hemmings. Josh Hawks crosses it in from the subsequent pass, and then Saunders himself taps in, and, and it feels like we've seen it all before, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah, it looked it looked terribly terribly familiar. Um, it says something when. Uh, one of the most exciting things that seems to happen in the course of an afternoon is um, someone winning a sweatshirt from Tom Broadbent Lounge because Broadbent scored a goal for South Shields. And there's a classic example of somebody, again, who you know more than looked the part on occasions in League One, in League Two, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, he's not managed to maintain professional status. There's plenty of centre-backs who could fill in when you're in the kind of crisis that we are, but why does a team that uh, was sitting in the playoffs, why are we looking for stop gaps? Looking for stop gaps because we flubbed the recruitment. And <laughs> again, it goes back to it does go back to valuing things. I mean, we talk about Austin being dug out, about being wanting mobile defenders and I remember a press a few weeks back when Kean Harry's um, he'd played against Salisbury, hadn't he? And maybe he you know, hadn't had the best game, but not played for about six months or so. I'm just listening to Morris dig him out and saying how he's way off it. And it was only a few weeks ago that we were having the evolution of Harrison Minton hype videos on social media. Now he's can't be seen for dust either. I don't know if there's... Well, he was in the travelling squad, but didn't make the 18. Oh, okay. So it was worthwhile for him to travel, but not for Charlie Austin. So that's uh, a good thing, just in case. You don't want to take your captain to be there as a presence, whether on the pitch or in the dressing room. It makes no sense. Absolutely. What would he have done? <laughs> might have got noisy off the off the bench, might have put an arm around someone at half-time. Useless. Not needed. You need more, <laughs> more mobile, more vocal people who'll do that. But, yeah, again, ridiculous. But back on Harry's, there's no... I don't see any incentive to dig someone like that out in a presser, A, in the context of playing a Premier Shield game, and also in the context of, like, if if you don't think they're up to muster, then don't pick them. What's, what's digging them out in a presser going to do for their confidence? It's up to you whether you... How you manage them, what you're going to do with them in the close season. I don't think we're under any illusions that, you know, that's it for his time here at Swindon, he might get the Westbury game. But I just don't see the the utility in someone who's had a as bad a season could have gone in a personal and professional sense to be slaughtered like that. And again, it comes back to the this discussion we've had where where is the manager taking personal accountability for this? Lots of speculation about, oh, they train wonderfully. I heard that on the press yesterday. They're saying, like, him and Brand say, I wish that we could play like we trained. Well, this looked like a training tap about today, and it wasn't it particularly did. good. It really did, didn't it? It, it? The whole game played out like uh, last game of the season, pre-season, some sort of training session, and you know if we're gonna if we're gonna go in a, in an order, Hepburn Murphy came close with the final chance of the first half, and there was hope that maybe a rocket from Jody Morris at halftime would turn things up a little bit. But 
if anything, the second half felt slower. And I don't even think Tramia were doing it deliberately. In, in terms of heat, I wouldn't say it was red-hot toxicity at Prenton Park from the Tramia fans, but they were restless for pretty much the whole game. And it wasn't until Tramia finally got to grips with the match in about the 90th minute that they simmered down and started supporting their side a little bit more. But we really should have been making the most of that. And, you know, I was celebrating our (laughs) 66.7% possession percentage at halftime. And then it got worse. If you let's uh, let me let me put this on onto you then and think about because we're in a in a similar position. I mean, I think a lot of people have been wrapped up watching the inevitable old uh, Rex of Notts County today. Um, you know, these are teams that are fighting to get back in the football league. Tramier have had that; they've had their doldrum days, and it's now at the point where yes, they might like to look to build something for promotion or. Over the last week, one of your directors might be busy arranging holidays to WrestleMania, and you get to watch that on social media and think, <laughs> why are we concentrating on this instead of whatever? But if, in terms of the bad old days of being stuck in the National League, they're probably counting their blessings. If you flipped, if you could flip the colours completely all the way round, and we were the ones coming up with the 1-0 win squeaked, and we had the performance that they had, you still wouldn't be satisfied, would you? No. No, you wouldn't. Curiously enough, uh, Nathan James said, watched Wrexham versus Notts County. Great game. They both beat us by four or five. Sack everyone. Abandon the plan. Get your wallet out. You just got a stadium for free, mate. We're Swindon Town. We should be waving our proverbial dick around in this league and not picking up the dregs. I look at Scunthorpe and see how their mismanagement has destroyed them. We aren't too far from that. And despite us being a big club in this division, I'm not too arrogant to believe it won't. So you're watching a you're watching a ding dog on BT Sport in the National League. Wrexham, Notts County, they're putting the fear into people that these teams could be up there next season. Notts County got John Bostock and Matt Palmer with Luke Williams as boss. And Wrexham got Ben Toes from Paul Mullin. And we're, this is the stage of like, these are players from, you know, the last five to seven years or so who've moved on. And you hope that we would have moved on and that we would be, you know, bigger and better than that. And maybe that's the big frustration about this season is you're seeing you're seeing the likes of Barrow and Carlisle and Stevenage, who, to be fair, don't really have a pot to piss in, uh, bossing the playoff and promotion places while we're looking down at you know who might be coming up from the National League and thinking about what a tonking they could give us. It's really, really quite troubling. And today, tactically, substitutions as well. They just felt like dice rolls. They felt like the kind of subs that you or I might make in a football manager game that you're half interested in. <laughs> yeah. like, like for like, da, da, da. there's no actual strategy to it. It looked like the sort of substitutions you do when you're as, as disinterested as us watching at home. And that's concerning. Yeah, it, it is. Alex Hayes says, was at the game, thought that there was effort and structure but a lack of quality from some and an absence of belief all round, which from what I saw, I mean, that's what Andrew Halls and Rob Hartley were really pushing, especially in the first half that they could see that there was effort, but 
the quality was truly lacking. In terms of the second half, the referee caught the ball for no reason. That was fun. Yeah, that was good, wasn't it? It reminded <laughs> me of Decadio when he caught it in the, uh, in the box. He just seemed to manage to scoop it under his arm. Yeah, it was it was crazy. And before we get into a couple more chances, can we just congratulate McEachran for what was possibly the worst corner I've ever seen? And there were a few stinkers in this game alone. Incredible overhit. <laughs> I could watch it all day. But I've got to represent for JB, the Welsh faithful, and that corner was World Cup year. I don't know if McEachern's got any Welsh heritage, but for a conversion, that would have been top draw. Think about the switching. I don't know what that corner was about from a professional. It was <laughs> extraordinary. It was. It was. And it's 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 telling us that to just how how infected McEachern seems to have become from from the rot of whatever is going around that team. That someone's so promising, and again, this is somebody who is uh, Morris's guy. That he's that he's brought in. He's allowed him to train. He's come in. Even that, even that person who's been ingratiated, still can't get the the Swindon stink off. It's mm. Mm. and it is yeah. stinky. It is stinky. There were multiple substitutions from town. Uh, we used four of our five. Luke Jeffcott came on. Ronan Darcy came on. Romeo Hutton came on. Jake Kane came on during the second half. The closest we came from memory was a scramble where the, where the Tramia goalkeeper managed to collect. And I think the clearer cut chance of the second half actually fell to Tramia. Uh, a one-on-one where he's dragged it wide, the far post, and that really should have been game over at that point. Yes, I like that he peeled away as if uh, as if it had gone in. That was, uh, again, it's, it's small mercies when you can take it. Um, again, yeah, Jeff Cock coming on, I mean, it's been a, a really challenging couple of years for this guy, and I feel like we've really squandered him. If I think that uh, you know, the rumours were that Wellens was interested as well. You see, like how Orient play he might have really suited that way. And I guess that in terms of his development, he's probably just going to get released by Plymouth, and then it'll be the the reinvention at some stop off in League Two. I can see a Wimbledon or someone of that oh, stature, Newport. if not fit. Newport, Newport, with Kean yeah. Harry's, because I'm convinced he'll go there. Oh yeah, yeah, Jeff Cotton and Harry's reunited. There we go. They'll have a nice reunion up there. Um, and then to have the reinvention of themselves. But it, it speaks to, um, you know, the, the forwards are to blame for how poor we are. Or the finishing is to blame or Austin's to blame. I mean, for Austin to get eight goals in this side with how with how we play and how we've increasingly played is a, is a remarkable thing. But they're much of a muchness. It's... There's no use in having either of them if we don't play to their strengths or in a system that actually suits them. Mm. Yeah, warm congratulations to Luke Jeffcott for touching the ball at least twice when he came on. Uh, <laughs> no mean feat given the way his season has gone. No, that's uh, it's it, <laughs> and it's sad. But I mean, a couple of years ago when we were you know staring at the trapdoor in lockdown season, you know, he was he was the man at Plymouth and really has fallen quite quickly and 
I do hope that he can bring it back because I was one of the people I think that you were the same as someone who's excited when he yep. came in. He's going to us on loan, but I can't say that we ever. Yeah, he's he's nimble. He's got that poacher's instinct, and I can't say that we ever played much to his strengths because we either like to put it out wide and put crosses that hit the first man, or we have the likes of Darcy or Williams or Shade who like to run with it and have a crack from 20 yards out and hit it over the bar. Yeah, yeah. We, we did look stronger attacking-wise when Hutton came on. By stronger, I mean he put in a couple of decent crosses, but that was pretty much it. And the four minutes of injury time couldn't be more comfortable for Tramier. It, it was really a very, very nil-nil game from both sides. And it just so happened we made one massive error and it, and it cost us. Again, and, and I'm not making excuses for, for this side. It's just completely typical and unacceptable. But it's becoming increasingly the uh, <laughs> increasingly the way, and this is how it's going to be for the next uh, five or six, isn't it? We're going to be having this this conversation in various forms, in various guises, or things like that. Hutton is another one where, you know, I'm talking about this like loss of experience, and I think I've said this before, when... He played alongside Gladwin. Gladwin was someone who was always on at him. He always had someone in the ear. And since he's not got anybody in the ear and he's got his free reign, that's where the crossing has become predictable, tired, easy to snuff out. Whereas, I don't know, there's something about having BG on your ear that made it a little bit more uh, frenetic, surprising, varied not really getting any of that. I feel like he's somebody who's who's got worse for not having experienced heads around him, but I could say that about half a dozen of them as well. So there we have it. Swindon lose again, only dropped one place this week. It could have been worse, but we are level on points, 51 points with us in 12th and Doncaster in 15th, and we're only three points clear of 16th, and I'm not looking up any longer so it looks much better than it actually is in terms of our position except for our run of form which now is four losses in a row let's read out some listeners contributions dave put onto twitter so in the town remain fully entombed in their cave and with little sight of resurrection this season Anyone who watched this have anything interesting to share? In which Graham Ballard instantly replied with no. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Paul Temple says, tippy tappy, oops, mistake, lose the game. How very Swindony. Nice stats, but you won't score with that level of physicality and experience. Nobody on the end of the few crosses we put in. Simply not physical enough. No presence or desire to get past Tramier. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Man of the match, Hutton, uh, who came on with about half an hour ago to go. Paul Merriman says, that was somehow better without being any good. I think that's absolutely spot on. Uh, The teams below first are pretty bad. Some are worse than others. So how do we stop the rot? What's the silver bullet? Only Clem can change things and things do need changing. Despite best intentions, this season is now an abject failure. Stephen Davis says, fortunately, the points we gained under Scott Lindsay has meant we are not in a relegation battle. 
Ed Brand is supposedly a panacea all ill Swindon town. As a season ticket holder, I can't see what he's done on the pitch. Rob Dinsey says, well, it started badly. It tailed off a little in the middle. And the less said about the end, the better. Apart from that, excellent. Uh, Dylan says nine points and eight losses in 13 games. It's time to go, Jody Morris. Ben says, poor against a poor team. We won't win another game. Doubt we'll pick up another point. Wow. AD Mel says, I reckon Morris is just making a point by showcasing how awful this team really are. There's no other explanation for it, is there? Don't think I've ever seen a team with so little attacking threat. It allows the opposition just to sit in and wait for the mistakes that always follow. John Wallace Howell says there isn't any incision in the team. It's not like we're getting in good positions, but the final ball finish isn't there. We're not even in good positions to put a final ball in. Everything goes to the flanks and there's no creativity up the middle. Terrible performance. Marky Sparky says I foolishly stumped up £10 for iFollow. Whilst it was on, I managed to clean the bathroom and the en-suites, including the toilets. All right, Marky Sparky, keep it friendly. Um, I'm sure there's a metaphor or tenuous link in there somewhere. Turgid. At least you've got en-suite, mate. And he says no positives from the first half. Hutton was the only positive in the second half, and he's man of the match. So much of the team looked sloppy and couldn't pick their way through Tramier. Williams had little flicks, but was so far away from goal, it was pointless sigh dave phillips says chatting with a friend a few days back who mentioned morris during his stfc job interview would have sold himself as someone who could work with the current squad yet now throws them under the bus moans about their quality in virtually every single interview he has undertaken scribble milk says where has all the quality gone what a fall from grace under sandro di michele he has single-handedly dismantled this team with Clem's help. It will be too late to change things in the summer. Sandro needs to now go so we can get a new manager in ASAP rather than the first week of next season. Oh, Joe, where is our John Wayne? Where is our Prairie Song? Where has all the quality gone? <laughs> no, Panacea, I like the Panacea reference, like the incision thing, because Panacea is like a cure to a disease. May I perhaps be a lone voice in the shadows here and implore Mr. Morfuni, Mr. DiMichele, Mr. Angus, whoever's irresponsible, don't rush into fixing things. Because on form, when you rush to fix things, things go badly. I mean, I could say about the management problem, but they seem to take the time over that. Unless, uh, unless it's the women's team, then things move quite a pace there. But even even in that example, you know, when you've got you've got the enthusiastic volunteers that you so crave putting in the work for four years, and then they get unceremoniously booted uh, with about twenty four hours notice that they're off. And I'm still wondering, like, what's the what's the fuller picture? Is this guy Mike Cook going to take on the whole thing? Are they going to replace the whole volunteer coaching staff with paid roles? There doesn't seem to be any thought into it there just seems to be a knee jerk like this is the fix and this is in that's not to say that is the worst decision they could have had the discussions to say this is what we're the model we want to do next season or you could say you know you're not going to be the boss this guy's going to be 
your boss, we're going to try things this way or whatever. When things are made at haste at this club, banning under 16s, banning all other kind of need things like that, it goes badly. You've got to regroup in the summer. You've got to have serious considerations, considerations, not decisions, as to whether Morris is the person that you want to do that. Don't always be thinking about, you know, there's a quick Philip that someone will play compensation for somebody because I got very lucky with that last couple of times. That's not always the case. Sometimes, dare I say it, Mr. Power had to make these decisions before as well. The way it's not working out, you have to let people go. I'm not saying that's where my head is that. I'm just saying that these are considerations. Think about your backup plans. Don't think about pipe dreams of luring these people who've got well-paid academy jobs who are just going to get outbid all of the time. Think about the shape and style of team that you want. And in terms of building for the future, let's let go of these like frivolous ideas of having um, hotels, tours of Australia and Pakistan, um, new stands, all that kind of thing. Let's just actually get the ground that we manage to fill on a regular basis functional on half rent and in a utility. Um, I feel like as fans, we want to press the panic button, but my my sincerest plea, maybe, maybe people will disagree and this will stimulate debate and that's a good thing because God knows we need other things to talk about. Um, my plea to the club after Easter is to get the chocolate eggs in, get the kettle on, and have a bloody good think about where <laughs> we're next. Oh, we'll see. But where is our John Wayne, and where is our Prairie Song, Joe? Maybe it's Gav Gunning. You know, guns, cowboys. <laughs> I swear <laughs> out. Maybe it could be Charlie Austin. Who knows? Maybe he fancies uh, fancies having a go. Maybe he's, maybe there's a... Uh, the town isn't big enough for the for the both of them. We'll we'll find out. Hello, I'm Anthony Grant, and you're listening to the Loathed Strangers podcast. More listeners' contributions. Then Craig Clark says, "Not very good. We don't ever look like scoring, and it's painfully dull at times. Not sure what Morris Ball is, but it's clearly not working." Hank says, "Awful." Just awful. Regretting renewing my season ticket before knowing who is going to run this side or coach is going to be in place. Clem has to sort this out and quickly. Club need to be open and transparent like they said they would. The fans deserve better. Harvey says, I'd get rid of Morris, put Gunning and Mildy in charge for the last few games and ask Clem to have a huge rethink about everything. Dean Glasgow says, Lack of quality and pace, this Swindon way is killing my love of football. Just so boring. Matt says, nothing up front, no creativity, mistakes at the back. Though 608 passes and 66% and 66% possession take the big wins. Man of the match, Charlie Austin. Uh, Harvey says, I'm convinced we'll be in the bottom five end of next season. Goodness me. Uh, Chris Macy says, I wish I'd not watched it. Time to fully disengage for the rest of the season. Pete Marsh had to work again. He's grateful for it. But what were we expecting? 
I don't know, Pete, to be honest. And Matt Stead says, Jody Morris has to go. Yes, we sold experience, etc. But even in this team, you'd expect more. The results are relegation form. It's just awful. Uh, Paul D provides a gif of a dog sighing, presumably a Dan Hunt sigh. Uh, Tommy Butler says, I'm just here to appreciate the depth and feeling of the Easter metaphor. Well done. Well done, Dave, for that. Uh, Tom Elliott says, truly awful again. Morris's post-match interview was Sheridan-like. Goodness me. We never looked like scoring. Tramier were poor, barely had the ball, but created the three best chances. The silence from Sandro, Clemente and Bobby Angus is damaging the club. Where have all the leaders gone? Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, Joe. Where have they gone? Steve Sheen says, we lost... The can't be asked derby. At least Charlie will be fully rested <laughs> for the important games in the running. Um, it's a very good point. Barrow have to win next week at Swindon. Rob Bowden called it so grim. Tom Goldfinch says Dan Hunt sigh. Is the season over yet? Bernie Man says nothing to say about that game. Nothing. Inept squad with a pungent attitude. Inept management team sleepwalking the worst finish ever for this club and a mute club executive team and owner. The fans deserve better and it's time for the trust and the supporters club to ask questions. Hashtag Dan Sai. Liam says at least we only conceded one. Uh, Sam Hart says might be time to go. Wardy S says slow, ponderous with absolutely no threat. Up top, pass, 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 and pass again. This is development football. Three up top isn't working and hasn't been for weeks. We are so easy to play against. Don't know where the next points are coming from. Absolute shambles from front to back. Trev says, great possession statistics, though. It's all these players we've brought in to do for no other reason than those statistics and the chance to make money from them. It's not a team. It's a project. Stu says, nope, we were gutless and clueless again. Got charged £4 for a tepid hot dog. A good metaphor for our performance. At least we dodged the rain. Well done, Stu. PCM says, toothless in the final third. That aside, played some fast-flowing football at times, albeit without threatening. Mitchell Singh says, since the first game, he has made some stupid, questionable decisions in every single one. I now believe... Jody Morris wants out and trying a few approaches to ensure he gets a payout. I don't think he is good enough, but I think he believes it's purely down to the squad and not him. Bye-bye, Morris. And before we go, Joe, I'm more than happy to go with what a couple of the listeners suggested and give Romeo Hutton the Man of the Match award. At first, I was going to call it a protest vote, but he did win the listeners' vote. He can have it from us too. Yeah, no objections from here. I mean... Who else would you give it to? Maybe not as effective as he was, but it was bright enough, so gets my vote as well. I've not referenced Half Man, Half Biscuit in this episode. Well, you did in the press. I caught on that. There was a Joy Division Other Gloves reference in there. Mm-hmm. We can have... Uh, how many subs do we bring on today? Four? Oh, the four The four men that shook the Wirral. Let's go the, uh, the, 15, the 15 boys who trembled the Wirral. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. What a scruffy way to end a pod. Anything? I mean, I just read out a whole bunch of stuff with some pretty damning comments from both the, the playing element and the ownership element. Oh, it's just so grim at the moment, isn't it? 
It is, it, yeah, it is, it is. But again, let's. I've been thinking about, and maybe we'll maybe we'll talk about this in the close season. You know, when we have our open and transparent board, and we have our advisory board minutes. Something I've been doing to uh, lure a bit of excitement. Never mind reading this month's advisory board, or even the previous month's advisory board. I'm having a little sneaky look back at 12 months ago and some of the plans that were suggested from there. Maybe, maybe that's a little a little tidbit we could go over when all these uh, things are are over, and we can have a look at how close we are to being the club that we the fans want us to be and how much the management want us to be. Is it, is it looking good? Um, it's like like on the pitch, I'd say it's looking off focus. Okay. Same as I'd same as I'd said about you know stands and utilities and things like that. Think about just making it work in the short term and getting us out of this goddamn league, please. <laughs> then we can think big in a positive way. Well, we're all off to read minutes from meetings from a year ago. Joe, thank you very much. Thank you, Rich. Goodbye. <laughs> The Lone Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork was designed by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Has a bubble. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.